I'm going to open us up with a prayer tonight, and then we can get started on this presentation on faith. So let's all close our eyes and um, just be aware of your bodies, be aware of your feet, your knees, your hips, your torso, your, your chest, your arms, and to know that we we chose to be incarnated here. We, we chose our bodies and we chose um, to have this experience no matter how wild it can be at times and how uh, futile it seems our efforts are at creating harmony and peace. That peace is here with us and the oneness is here with us. And uh, we thank the infinite creator for our for our bodies, for the the uh, intelligence that our bodies have to speak through our minds to give us insight and wisdom. Um, we thank you for designing such a beautiful, beautiful planet to get to roam about in and love and serve. And I pray that tonight as we talk about faith, as we talk about the thing that often so difficult to find words for. I pray that we would be drawn deeper into the mystery and the wisdom of, and the intelligence of, of the one who has faith in us, which is you, the infinite creator, that we would have faith that you believe in us and that you see the purity and, and, and the light that's inside each of us and give us faith to see the same in ourselves and one another. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, before we start this presentation, I want to thank Doug for the last couple of weeks presenting on the different arch archetypes. Um, I'm going to introduce myself and then Barbara introduce herself and kind of a little bit about our stories and our relationship with Faye before we get started with the presentation. So uh, my name is Sirac. I'm uh, 34 years old. I live in Dallas, Texas. I was born in Windsor, Ontario in Canada. And I lived in Canada until I was about 11. Then I moved to Texas then. Uh, my parents, both of them were born and raised in Ethiopia. And my mom is a respiratory therapist. My father, uh, who has since passed away, he was an engineer. He, he passed away in 2007. I currently work, um, I have a couple jobs. I work as a, um, an adjunct professor of sociology at the University of Texas at Dallas and um, Dallas College Richland campus. And then I also work um, on staff with a, with a Christian college ministry um, I was involved in it. It's a non-denominational, non-denominational evangelical ministry. And I was involved in it as a student from 2007 to 2012, 11 or 12. And then I joined on staff. The original plan was to go into full-time academia and pursue my doctorate work, but I have since kind of stayed 
hovering around academia and hovering around pursuing spirituality and learning more and more about Jesus. So a little bit about uh, me is, you know, in case you have noticed, I've, I've had to navigate different cultures, different con- different countries, just with my parents being foreign and, um, and moving here from Canada. And so I think topics of spirituality have always been of interest to me, but um, I'm, sure, I'm sure as some of you know, uh, growing up in churches, in um, growing up in the Bible Belt, I was raised with having lots of questions, lots of concerns about different ideas presented all throughout the Bible. Formally, my, my background is in Christianity, more of like a Southern evangelical Baptist type of Christianity. Whereas my parents were a part of the, the Eastern Ethiopian kind of Coptic church. So growing up, I was exposed to different expressions of faith within the Christian tr- tradition. And so um, I have always been uh, in, interested in topics of faith, topics of uh, um, Christian history, the, just different esoteric teachings before, long before I ever knew the word esoteric. I, um, a big catalyst for, for me that kind of led to the thing that led to a thing, which led to me finding Doug's blog was um, in 2000, I think 16 or 17, I found, I feel like the evangelical subculture discovered this thing called the Enneagram. And then I, along with every 20 something was taking this personality test and to to the majority of my friends, it was, it was a cute test that was fun and funny, but it really did send me down a deep existential crisis. And I read five or six books on it and it um, really startled me. I had a lot of questions surrounding the human ego and the, and just who is the Serac behind the Serac. And uh, I felt like I didn't really have many people to talk to about it around. And then by about six or seven books into the Enneagram, COVID hit. And uh, I was, I was going through kind of an up and down situation uh, just in life, in my, in my marriage, and just trying to make sense of my faith. And so I discovered this guy named Gurchiff and the kind of books he was writing and uh, read a couple books by him or by people that, you know, were students of him. And I felt like different questions were being answered and alleviated, but I felt like there was a lot in my life that was slipping out from under me. I felt like kind of things were shift were shifting. And I had a very profound, strange, but beautiful experience where um, I was basically introduced to ideas that at the time I felt like I wasn't ready for, but over the last few months, it's been a really beautiful experience, which led me to um, find the love one, led me to find Doug's blog and to find Doug who's been a good friend of mine the last few few months. So faith has always been something that um, has been a topic of concern to me, but over the last few months before finding Doug, I felt like my faith was being reshaped and reformed. Uh, so um, finding the law of one was a huge answer to prayer. I'm, I'm no expert in it. I'm, I've only read up until like session. I just read the session that they talk about sexual energy transfer, which, hey, 
that's cool. And I just, and I'm on like session 60 on Scott Mandelker's lectures on YouTube. And it just is deeply perplexing and fascinating to me. And I love it. So, um, I have a limited understanding in dealing with faith, but I'm excited to get to talk to you. It's a little bit about me and my story and my relationship with faith. So I'm going to pass it off to Barbara now. Yeah. Hi, I'm Barb St. James and I won't, won't go too deeply into that because my, uh, spiritual journey, I think is still posted on the cosmic Christ website as a podcast and a written article. So if you want to know a little bit more about my journey, uh, I think you can find it there. Um, you know, I really didn't, I really thought about faith in the past and it wasn't until early 2020 when fear and uncertainty began to overwhelm me. Uh, and this sparked my curiosity and I started asking, what is this thing I'm trying to grab hold of and hang on to? And uh, so I started doing uh, what I call a deep dive into the word faith. And I did a lot of reading anywhere from the, the New Testament, I joined a Bible study, um, started participating in uh, the Highland County Highland County Fellowship. It's a Sunday service where there's a teaching pastor and he goes through various scriptures line by line and he translates them for us. Uh, uh, I ended up, the, one of the last things that I did was on the LL Research website, uh, found out that you can put in the word, any word you want, but I put in the word faith and it just brought up all kinds of of information. And so most of what I am going to choose to share with you are little messages that uh, struck a chord with me when I was reading through all this. And I wanted to bring this presentation to all of you to learn and understand what faith means to each of you. And how do you reside more deeply in faith? So I'm, I'm actually hoping to learn uh, from all of you as well. Back to you. Awesome, awesome. Thank you, Barbara. Well, without further ado, uh, let's go to the next slide. And this is a quote that um, I found. I haven't, I haven't read this session particularly, but it was just um, I don't know if I don't know if you guys have had this experience for the law of one, but I'll have these moments of just I feel like time will stand still and just the artistry and the word choice and the the flow of these ideas are just so beautiful and so mag magnificent. And I feel almost like disrespecting it by by reading it. I'm like, because I know how quickly I forget things. But this was the quote that came to mind. I'll read it. It says, I'm Ra. Let us give the example of the man who sees all the poker hands. He then knows the game. It is but child's play to gamble, for it is no risk. The other hands are known. The possibilities are known. And the hand will be played correctly, but with no interest. In time, space, and in the true color green density, the hands of all are open to the eye. The thoughts, the feelings, the troubles, all these may be seen. There is no deception and no desire for deception. Thus, 
much may be accomplished in harmony, but the mind-body-spirit gains a little polarity from this interaction. Let us re-examine this metaphor and multiply it into the longest poker game you can imagine, a lifetime. The cards are love, dislike, limitation, unhappiness, pleasure, etc. They are dealt and redealt and redealt continuously. You may, during this incarnation, begin and we stress begin to know your cards, to know your own cards. You may begin to find the love within you. You may begin to balance your pleasure, your limitations, etc. However, your only indication of other selves' cards is to look into the eyes. You cannot remember your hand, their hands, and perhaps even the rules of this game. This game can only be won by those who lose their cards in the melting influence of love. Can only be won by those who lay their pleasures, their limitations, their all upon the table, face up, and say inwardly, all, all of you players, each other's self, whatever your hand, I love you. This is the game, to know, to accept, to forgive, to balance, and to open the self in love. This cannot be done without the forgetting, for it would carry no weight in the life of the mind, body, spirit, being this totality. And so as we talk about faith in this presentation, um, I think for me being raised um, and my, my experience with Christianity has been faith is the thing you force and will yourself to have in those difficult moments of displeasure and pain and fear. You just say, I have faith and you kind of, you, you faith to me growing up was just, you know that things suck, but now you're gonna just say out loud that things suck as you do the thing that you've been avoiding. Whereas I feel like Ra is presenting a type of faith, maybe that, uh, and it could have just been my misinterpretation of it growing up, but the faith I sense it in these images are total faith of surrender, a total faith of seeing the good in the other, to know that underneath the things described, that we are all just pure, pure light. And so I think uh, we're gonna stop at some point to have some open sharing or discussion, but um, I'm gonna go to the next slide for Barbara to share. Well, I was baptized Roman Catholic um, and I did go to Sunday services and do the confessions and repentance and a little bit of Catholic uh, school when I was very, very young. But uh, I always knew I didn't really need to be in that physical church to connect with, with God. And so I call my church the Church of the Trees. Um, I love Richard Rohr and uh, I've read a lot of his books and I'm just really drawn to, 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 to his, uh, his teachings. And so I have a couple of little quotes from him to start out with. Faith in God is not just faith in spiritual ideas. It's to have confidence in love itself. It is to have confidence in reality itself. That at its core, reality is okay. God is in it. 
God is revealed in all things. Faith is that breakthrough into that deep realm of the soul which accepts paradox with humility. Then you go on to the next one, Sarah. The faculty of faith needs to be understood, nourished, and developed in order to have an entity which seeks past the boundary of third density. Faith is the one faculty or energy that transcends all programming and limitations. It is the highest paradigm, the final frontier, the edge. You could see faith as creating an opening, a conduit for intelligent infinity to enter into and modify the system, otherwise known as healing, otherwise known as feeling the presence of the one creator or wholeness. And um, the one, the one little two words that caught me in this was the in the second um, message, which was the edge. And um, I've had conversations with Doug about. I feel like I'm standing at the edge. I'm standing at the edge, and that edge could mean a lot of things. But I, I, I can't quite step off. I've visualized myself doing it, but I take a couple of steps back. Um, but those were a few of my, a few of the things that I read from, from, from Raw in this case on this slide. And so um, this is a quote from the book of John chapter 20. It says, uh, but he said to them, unless I see and this is Thomas speaking, but he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where his nails, where the nails were, put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. So the doors were locked. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. And so um, in one of my earlier um, seminary classes, I, I one, of, one of our professors was, was talking to us about the word doubt. The Greek for the word doubt comes from the Greek word um, dis, dis, distazo, and it's where we get our word distance from. And he was describing that doubt, um, there's, well, there's, there, there's another text in the book of Matthew where it says that the it's, Jesus met with them on the mountain after his resurrection and then it said some worshipped and some doubted and that word doubt is where we get our word is is distazo it means distance so a lot of scholars believe that Matthew's saying that some worshipped but some kind of stood at a distance they stood at a distance kind of unsure what to make of what they were seeing 
And I've always thought doubt was this experience of choosing not to believe, meaning I've seen it and I don't believe it versus um, I don't see it and I don't know what to make of it or I do see it and I don't know what to make of it. And um, in, in this text, you know, I've, I've always connected with it as a young um, as a young, you know, boy growing growing up in church, because I, I I really value seeing things in front of me to believe in it, and, and I found it interesting in reading the Law of One. I I find this type of faith presented where it's saying, you you can have faith because it is right in front of you. Everything is right in front of you, and not only is it right in front of you, you are right in front of you, and the oneness of everything is right in front of you which has definitely expounded and expanded the way I view faith and doubt. And uh, it's expanded the way I view spiritual growth. So I'm going to show a couple slides. Sometimes I like to think in metaphors or I think in images. So as we were prepping this presentation, I drew some different pictures to kind of illustrate what I've been thinking. Uh, but before that, I'm going to read a couple more verses. It says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. In Matthew 21, it says, and whenever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. And then in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, it says that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So I don't know if you guys can see this, but this is a little graph that I drew. And this graph is, <laughs> it's how I think spiritual growth works. So on the X axis, you have weeks, time. You have week one, week two, week three, week four. And on the left side, you have spiritual growth. And on the left side, on the Y axis, you have the first level of faith, which is, wow, reading the law of one, this is really cool. And the next level is, whoa, meditation is nice. And then you might get to spiritual growth part three that says, I love everyone. And then at the very end, you're a crystallized white magician adept. And so this is how I sometimes think spiritual growth works. You get to week three, and if you're not a crystallized white magician adept, which if you would have said that phrase to me a couple of years ago, I would have think you were talking, thought you were talking about like a, a Final Fantasy video game. but. This is just where we were, where we are. So as we see spiritual growth, which requires faith, this is how sometimes I think, and tr truly, I think a lot of people think that this way, spiritual growth happens by week three. But truly, this is how, this is the more realistic picture of how spiritual growth works. Instead of week one, week two, week three, you have year 10, year 20, year 30, year 40, year, and I don't know if you guys can see the text. I was kind of drawing it. So the first dude over here, I don't know, can you guys see my mouse cursor? Yes. <clears throat> so you got this guy, he's saying, I am pure loving awareness, experiencing itself as itself, making, I, I, I drew this, I should be able to, nothing can stop me, sorry, nothing can stop me. <laughs> And then you think of spiritual growth as this hill where you're like, oh my God, I made it. I'm at the very top. 
And then you're like, oh shit, this third density veil is thick. You come stumbling back down from your white magician adept hood. And then you make it down, it's, it's year 50 and you're like, oh damn it, I guess I should probably deal with my shadow. Um, which Ra does talk a lot about, the process of healing. And then maybe year 80, you join the building fourth slack group. <laughs> and then you're back to the journey. So this is a more realistic, but still artificial way of describing how spiritual growth works com compared to this one. You have, this one's a more realistic, but the more I read the Lava One and the more I thought about this presentation, this is kind of how I feel like faith and spiritual growth works, is you have the beginning, you start to realize, okay, it takes faith to grow. It takes faith to experience. It takes faith to interact with other selves as they hand you a catalyst. Here you go, my friend. Here's a catalyst and here's you with your energy centers. Here's them with their energy centers. And you respond with, I love and accept and forgive you. I love and accept and forgive me. And so you think, oh shit, man, I did it. I have, I have faith. But then you, and you realize that you get bigger. But you know what else gets bigger? The catalyst gets bigger. In fact, you become more aware of the person or the thing handing you the catalyst. The person is just symbolic of whatever life kind of hands you. And still you say, I love and accept and forgive you. I love and accept and forgive myself. And this is all rooted in faith, which is at the bottom here. And I think you see where this is going. More time passes and you're like, oh man, I've grown in my faith. I am so wise. But then lo and behold, a new catalyst comes and it's bigger than the first two. And it's the same situation repeating itself all for your healing and for your growth. And the catalyst, I don't know, this can, this kind of breaks down. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on this and adding it more to it. But as it gets bigger, the catalyst gets bigger. And um, as someone who's just a few months into this thing, that's kind of the pattern that I've observed. Um, and this is my rough estimate <laughs> of how spiritual growth works. Um, before I start here, I was at, just about, in case you're curious, I had a, other information that I just didn't include in any, any of this, but, um, and I don't know if I'm going to even pronounce this right, but the Greek meaning of faith. So in Greek mythology, pistis, P-I-S-T-I-S, uh, I think I'm pronouncing that right, uh, was the personification of good faith, trust, and reliability. And in Christianity and in the New Testament, pistis, if I'm saying that right again, is the word for faith. Um, I have actually 10 messages here, and I may not speak to every one of them. Um, I might just highlight some. I know that some people uh, need can read and absorb what's being said, and other people, for me, I do better closing my eyes. So for those of you maybe closing your eyes and, and listening to this might work for you or reading. Um, so I'll select some of the ones that, uh, I, that were more precious to me. Um, simply to live by faith 
is to bring an end to paradox and confusion. All things are acceptable. All experiences are those of love and the distortions of love. Faith is the vibration that is more like the vibration of love. Among the greatest of faith's gifts, you see and trust that however difficult the moment or the decade may be, you are on course. You are right where you need to be. Um, the next paragraph here, I'm not going to read it um, in full, but it's it's talking about when you you're you're sitting in what the reality, your third density, and you're experiencing pain that feels feels real, real and you feel real very you can feel very threatened. Um, and ultimately, um, this offers the catalyst uh, for discovery of really finding your faith, finding that you are this uh, unlimited self and, and one with God, one with the creator. And this quality of faith survives war, disease, loss, limitation, and death facing us in the physical body form. Um, faith does not replace self-reflection or analysis. Um, it instead creates, uh, casts out the shadows, the misapprehensions, and dead ends of that process. Uh, let's see. It is not easy to live a life of faith. Indeed, the more intense one's faith becomes, the more it is tested in the fire of experience. And that has surely been uh, the path for me. Uh, I feel like I, my, my faith is tested on a daily basis. Um, no turn will cause the seeker to be lost from that which is sought. For the one creator awaits not only at the end of each path, but along each portion of each path. And I found that particular passage very comforting. Um, allow little seeds of faith. You want to go to the next slide? Oops. Faith does, oh, no, we did that. Did I just kind of, we're out of order here. Sorry. How about the next one? I just did that one. There we go. Allow little seeds of faith to grow in your garden of thought. Your destiny will come to you as it is time for it to appear. Notice those subjectively interesting hints, suspicions and suggestions and synchronicities that say to you, yes, you are on the right track. Faith opens the knotted circular patterns of thought to allow in the light thus giving meaning and purpose to our suffering and plugging us into the infinite resource of hope. Faith is a faculty and energy or perspective of the indigo ray, which can be consciously developed and strengthened. Faith might be described as the bridge to infinity, an invisible bridge made of the rarest and most mysterious materials in our world that which is known as faith. The doorway to the mystery, 
that which transcends the limitations of the mind, the body, and the illusion itself. Um, those were the, some of the ones that were uh, a little more precious to me, uh, talking about catalyst and, and paradigms and paradox and, and, um, ex and, and then the description of that, the bridge, you know, it literally does feel like that, that you're, you're crossing this individual, invisible bridge and um, um, brings me to the well-known uh, scripture. And I can't, I think it's in Corinthians, I believe, and it's uh, walk by faith and not by sight. So it's trusting in something that, you know, you like in the beginning, I wanted to grab a hold of something. And uh, of course it, that's not, that's not faith. And I, I think that's the last slide, uh, Sirach. Yeah, that is the last slide. So we do have a little time left for to see what others might think about this. Yeah, thank you guys for listening and thank you, Doug, for thinking of us to do this. Let's see, how do I end screen sharing? Oh wait, here it is. Well, first, good job. Um, excellent, both both you and Barb. Thank you. That was fantastic. <clears throat> and uh, thanks, man. We all had faith you could do it, and you know. <laughs> and Sirach, I love your little handwritten. He told me he was going to do that, but I hadn't really looked at them to see, and so I love the way he. He talked about that and did that. So thank you. That was a great addition. Hey, thank, thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. So yeah, we just wanted to open it up for any thoughts, reflections, or observations on faith. I can pull back up the presentation if you guys would like to look at the quotes. I would, you know, for me, I would love to hear from any of you who can tell me what faith means to you and, and how you reside in it. Or, you know, I'm still, I'm still obviously searching for a deeper understanding. Um, and so if, if anybody can. I'd like to share, um, first of all, a great presentation, y'all. That was an awesome presentation, especially those drawings, um, Sarah. It's really, I find it really funny and interesting that this is your presentation because faith is kind of something that I have taken on the past month on studying more and focusing on more about. Um, so it's kind of like a synchronicity that this is your presentation. Um, but I would say within my past month of really sitting with faith and working through um, the catalyst of faith, uh, I've learned that you know it really is that confidence or that trust in the unseen. Um, it really, it brings me personally, it brings me closer to the fact that I am the creator and that at the end of the day, everything truly is okay and everything is happening as it should be. Um, faith has definitely carried me, especially with, I would say within my meditations, you know, um, just the other week I was deep in meditation and I finally came to the point of why don't I, why, why don't I just give up my, any ounce of doubt? Because, you know, whenever, you know, you're a spiritual seeker and you're learning all of these things, um, you, of course, take it and you contemplate it and you embrace it. But there's always going to be that small ounce of doubt, especially from coming from your intellect and your ego. 
Um, so the other week, I was like, I'm just going to release all doubt. There's, I finally came to the realization that there's just absolutely no point for me to doubt in anything that I believe in, especially in terms of the law of one and my relationship um, with the creator and my spiritual seeking. And when I did that, um, things, a lot of things changed. You know, I felt closer to myself. I felt closer to God. Um, instead of feeling interplaying deity uh, or entities while I'm in my meditation, I started seeing glimpses of them. Um, instead of, you know, waiting or searching for my higher self to enter back to me in my meditations, I heard my higher self as clear as day as if I was having a conversation with somebody else. So faith has just really, um, you know, like Ross said, just really knocked down those blocks and has really opened up and helped me open up my indigo ray. Um, and I was, I was also reading a confederation channeling, and they said that the frontal lobes um, are affected by faith, and fourth density entities use the frontal lobes in order to, you know, manifest things almost instantly or heal themselves instantly. And so the frontal lobes are um, parts of the brains that are kind of underused and somewhat inactive within their density, but that are working with faith um, strengthens our frontal lobes and some of these fourth density abilities and things are able to be channeled and used within our lives. So that's kind of been my you know, journey on faith. So DeMarcus, are you telling me you never have doubt? Uh, <laughs> Definitely no, still have a doubt, but um, just in the, in the, I, I no longer, I would say I have doubt in what I believe in, you know, as terms of, you know, with the law of one and the unity of creation and all of that, you know, all that stuff that goes with it. Like at this point in my spiritual journey, I can drop all doubt. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Did you just say my name? I did. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so I have a, a rock. I actually have two favorite raw quotes, but I'll, I'd, I'd like to share one and maybe a reflection on that. Um, it's not very long. So the questioner, Don, says, I'm reminded of the statement, approximately, if you had enough faith, you could say to a mountain to move, and the mountain would move. I assume this is approximately what you are saying. And I assume that if you are fully aware of the law of one, then you're able to do these things. Is this correct? The questioner is talking about actually having enough faith to physically move and rearrange physical material, as I recall, right? The Doug, that had to do with building the pyramid, I think. Yep. So Ra says, the vibratory distortion of sound, faith, is perhaps one of the stumbling blocks between those of what we may call the infinite path and those of the finite proving slash understanding. You are precisely correct in your understanding of the congruency of faith and intelligent infinity. So Ra's saying faith and intelligent infinity are basically like synonymous, right? Which is interesting. And then they say, however, one is a spiritual term, faith, the other more acceptable, perhaps, to the conceptual framework distortions of those who seek with measure and pen. So to me, this says that people who are always seeking to measure, observe, understand, understand, not that it's without its usefulness here in third density, but people who are always looking for that finite, final answer, 
ah, I finally get it. Let me figure out why this does what it does and how this all works. To me, all of that is leading those people deeper and closer to truth, but it's doing it in such a way that they are discovering again and again that they don't have the final word. They don't have the final understanding. As deep as you dig, there's always deeper to dig. As soon as you think you completely understand something, a new mystery is revealed and you start over. And some people are just like, I think like um, more intrigued and drawn along by wanting to know, discover, and think momentarily that they might understand or have a handle on something. And then I think that there are others who, um, not to say that people do this exclusively, but who are drawn along by the mystery and by discovering ever more deeply how little they understand. And Ra talks about how important it is to seek the keys to unknowing. Right, Doug, that's the expression? And they do say also that in order to be harvestable to the fourth density of love and understanding, it is imperative that you know that you do not understand. So to me, faith is about continually trying to deepen our relationship with mystery, continually kind of leaving this channel open, which also mechanically from a metaphysical perspective kind of makes sense because Rod does talk about how faith is the ability to accept changes in consciousness through the indigo gateway by piercing the violet ray and touching into intelligent infinity. So I think it's this idea that if you're faithful, you're like this vortex being drawn ever more deeply into this mystery. Um, and it's and it's here, like it's hard because we have to balance, how do we be faithful without being like totally ungrounded? How do we be faithful without just buying everything that comes our way, hook, line and sinker? You have to use your discernment. The rational mind is important. And Raw talks really beautiful in some places about the usefulness of the rational mind versus the intuitive faculty and how those two things can be paired so that we're gaining some insight through our intuition from the deeper mind, but we're also analyzing it rationally. We're using our bio computer to say, is this making sense? Is this applicable to this moment in time? So there's this constant balance to walk for me between the infinite faith path and the finite proving understanding path. And as confusing as it is, it's it's really beautiful. So for what it's worth, I just wanted to share. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Diane. I did read that one and I, I enjoyed that. I bet you I've read the other one Come. you like too. Frankie. Well, some of those quote quotes you pulled up were really beautiful and <clears> I hadn't <throat> heard them. So I was glad you shared those. Uh, it looks like Michael wants to share. Michael. Yes, thank you. So I had faith that when Mila raised her hand, that she was going to go before me, and that gave me confidence that I would have longer to ponder what I was going to say. But oh well, <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, I was actually some of what I was going to say actually was along the same lines as what Diana said that, you know, I don't fucking know. <laughs> I had faith in a lot of things five years ago that fell apart utterly and people and ideas. And sometimes I think I may clean to my pessimism and inadequacy as a source of faith. 
which may sound negative, but, um, you know, I have uh, an idealistic mind. I want things to work out well. And I work hard for that. And when they don't, you know, there's that confirmation bias going where, I, you know, I'll, I'll chalk that up as a, a negative or something that didn't work out. I got to try harder. Maybe I should have done this. Maybe I should have done that. And then, you know, I'll be damned while I'm struggling with all of this, I'm recognizing that um, not getting what I expected and not giving up or being too discouraged by it is faith that um, being able to recognize that, you know, the best idea that I had about how things were supposed to work out, when it falls apart, it's not because it's about to get bad. It's about to get better. Um, somebody in recovery, you know, if I'd walked into the doors of AA 23 years ago, and listed all the things I wanted for my sobriety, man, I would have sorely sold myself short. It would have been such a small list of things that I thought that I was gonna get. And so the point of it, it, it is a loving of the mystery and maybe even a pursuing after the fact of confirmation that, you know, maybe I can put things together in such a way that I think things are supposed to go. But when they don't go that way, and I've been doing my best to operate in integrity and work hard and yada yada, it's because I, I, I sold the universe short, and maybe I sold myself short, that um, the blessing of it is that I don't get so discouraged when things don't go my way now because it means that I undersold myself, people I love, situations, that what is happening, even though if it's not what I expected, it's very likely better and serves the greater good in a more full way. And I think that's come through a process of years of just kind of tracking what I think is going to happen, what does happen, what I work for, what I think I'm going to get, and recognizing that um, nothing works out how I think it's going to. Um, but almost always it's better than I expected if I can accept that it wasn't what I wanted. And uh, so for me, and I usually see things in a way that other people go, huh? There's actually been grief in the development of the faith that I have now. It is different than the faith I had years ago, where I've had to grieve what I thought should be, was going to be certainly what I wanted. Um, I've had to grieve uh, people, ideas, and 
recognize that I recognize you have to have hope in order for grief to work. And hope, I think for me, is the love of the mystery at this point. So that's where I am with faith. I like that. You have to have hope in order for grief to work. Like you have to have faith in order for grief to do its job, huh? Yeah, that's really interesting. And to trust that there is, uh, well, to have faith that in grief, the, the work of grief bears fruit. Ra talks a lot about, um, in the archetypes, the word um, fructification, <laughs> to, to bear fruit. That's Ra ease for to bear fruit. And I think faith uh, at some level is to hope and to trust that my expression, my intention that I'm putting out there of which I cannot see um, because of the veil is going to bear fruit. Um, but I don't know what that fruit's gonna look like. And, and maybe it's not my business at some point. Uh, real quick, Sonia, you had your hand up earlier and so I just wanted, you took it down, but I wanted to see if you wanted to say something. Yes, I did. Um, can you hear me? Yep. Yep. Okay, I was typing it out, actually. Well, I just want to say thank you, um, Barbara and Zarek, um, whole presentation. Um, and I really, really like those quotes that Barbara shared, um, specifically, like, um, the parts where I think I, t I didn't take a screenshot of it, but I think you said um, accepting, like, paradox with humility. Mm -hmm. And also that um, faith um, transcends like limitations and also um, faith um, like puts an end to paradox and confusion. Like those parts, like along those lines, you know, I really resonated with me because what faith means to me right now um, is like, you know, there are times where I am feeling overwhelmed with thoughts and emotions, and I feel like they're um, they're almost unstoppable, like in my head, and just growing exponentially, and just it's a whirlwind in my head. And um, somehow, you know, the thought, um, you know, comes up where I'm thinking, like, okay, like this was meant to happen this way. And all the events leading up to this, um, you know, was destined to happen. And what will happen from here is, is just what is meant to happen. Um, and I don't know, like whenever that comes up in my head, it's just, it, it shuts down everything, like almost immediately. And um, I, I don't know, like it's, uh, it's the ultimate source of comfort, like in those moments where feeling very anxious and overwhelmed and confused like very unsure about everything very insecure in my place in life um and it it was very powerfully negative and just uncomfortable one moment and then the, the moment those thoughts come into my head like just shuts it down and i feel relief like just so much 
um, well, faith, I guess. And um, yeah, I don't know, you know, the, the paradoxes, things like, the, you know, those, those moments, you know, where I'm really like frustrated with myself and, you know, these are kind of like how the thoughts like start in my head. I'm just like, oh, why am I acting this way, doing things like, and obviously the outcome isn't giving me what I really truly want. And I'm still acting this way, like why? And, you know, when I don't understand the things that I'm doing, um, I just, I'm very confused, but, um, you know, I just, I know that I just have to learn from these things that I view as mistakes at the time, but, um, yeah, I, I, I think it's very comforting, like, whenever I, whenever I think those, those thoughts, and that's what faith is for me right now. That's gorgeous, Sonia. Thank you for risking the vulnerability to share that uh, with us. And uh, it's meaningful and, and helpful. Yes. I want to share one thing really quickly. Faith is a kind of loaded word that we could spend a lot of time on and and I hope we can do that more next week too to really think more about it and talk about it and maybe other people can share some of their experiences with faith um, it's a beautiful word it's an incredible complex uh, topic and on the other hand it is um, it can be summed up in one sentence that Troy shared with me and I was, this was back when I first met him in 2013, it was 13, but it was something along those lines. And I remember talking about how um, I was creating balls of energy and tossing, like I'd be running. I'm running outside and I would run by somebody. And what I was doing there for a while is I would create a ball of love like a green ball of love energy or a blue ball of love energy. And I would just, <laughs> I would throw it in front of them. Uh, and then in my vision, they would be running and it's like, <laughs> and it would like, it would like splatter in love energy all over their aura. And, you know, they can bring it in to them if they desire that. Um, and I was having fun with my little love bombs, <laughs> literal energy love bombs that I was throwing on people. And, uh, but I was talking to Troy about who knows if this really is true. And, you know, I hadn't reached the DeMarcus, the DeMarcus, uh, uh, no doubt, uh, level yet as, as you shared. So anyways, I was like, who knows if this is true? And Troy said to me, Hey, love counts. That's it. It was love counts. Love does something. Love means something. Love done with intention freaking counts. You want to pray for somebody in, oh, I don't know, Zimbabwe that you've never met and never will and just, just surround that person with love? Well, that's what's happening because love counts. Love is the very nature of the one infinite creator. And uh, we are love made manifest. 
our intentions are love. Um, and when we have that honed will and we really trust that love counts, then there will be some fructification going on, people. Yeah, that's really well said. Thank you for sharing that, Doug. And um, before Barbara closes us, I just, yeah, I wanted to say thank you everyone for sharing. I think for me, a lot of these new ideas, a lot of these ideas are very new to me, even though I've been using these words for a long time. And um, I've, I've been doing this thing where I, where not when I feel some sort of intense feeling or maybe self deprecating thoughts or anger at someone or I'll remember a situation in my life where I could have stood up for myself but I didn't or a decision that I made that I wish I wouldn't have made or made in a different way it's like I'll feel it and I will close my eyes and I'll ask it, it I'll say what what color are you and uh, what do you want from me <laughs> And sometimes it'll tell me, you know, I'm orange or I'm red or I'm something. But then I, I'll feel it, then I'll want to fight it or I'll want to entertain it. But then I, um, I'll just love it. I'll just kind of put my arms around that color or that feeling. And in my head, I'm thinking, this is the stupidest shit I've ever done in my life. And, and I cannot even imagine telling this to someone who's going through something yet maybe i will but i'm just doing it i'm doing it for the last few weeks just loving these colors that'll pop up in my brain and as we were preparing this lesson i think i've had a lot of moments of that like what you just shared doug that love counts that pouring love into a situation is what matters even though you're trying to discredit it or make sense of it and so i really appreciate what you guys were sharing i think it really touched my heart tonight so Thank you, guys. Okay, uh, let's close our eyes. Take a few deep breaths. Thank you, the divine creator for bringing us together in your endless ocean of grace. May we become bearers of joy, we who are invited to share in the cosmic dance. May we walk in faith all the days of our life, confident in your divine presence, even in times of trouble, and with the assurance of what is and all that is to be. May we have faith in the unfolding of our lives and radical trust in the universe. Amen.